0: Ruth chapter 4, we'll start in verse 13 and read through the end of the book. We'll probably break it down a verse or two at a time. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these good words. I pray that you have helped us to learn something from this book of Ruth over these last few weeks. And I pray that you would help us to learn something from this story tonight, dear Lord, as we see the conclusion, as it points us forward to something even better, something, God, that we've already seen in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we have seen Jesus through this book and we will continue to see him tonight and and anytime we read your word and i pray that you would help me to preach and teach in a way that's gonna bring glory to you give us a good night dear lord let your holy spirit speak to us in jesus name i pray it amen Amen. we have covered a lot of ground we have started this story in the land of israel with naomi and her husband and two sons they left the land of israel due to a famine They went to the foreign land of Moab where they were for 10 years. And during that time, uh, Naomi's sons married Moabite women. And also in that time, Naomi's husband Elimelech died as well as her two sons. And Naomi was left with her daughters-in-law and Ruth being the the main daughter-in-law that we see in this story. When Naomi was getting ready to return to the land of Israel, she tried to get her daughters-in-law to turn back and go back to their families and to their land. Uh, and one of her daughter-in-laws did. Orpah went back to the land of Moab. But Ruth said, nope, I'm sticking with you, Naomi. Your God is going to be my God. And so they headed back into the land of Israel. And we've seen on quite a few occasions that Ruth was a good woman. Ruth was very good to Naomi. She took good care of her. Ruth was a woman of noble character. Ruth was a godly woman. Even though she was a foreign woman, she had grown to love and follow the God of Naomi, the God of Israel. And so as they returned to the land of Israel, uh, she began, Ruth did, to glean in the field of someone to get whatever grain was left over so that she and uh, her mother-in-law Naomi could survive. And she ended up in the field of a man named Boaz, and Boaz took a liking to Ruth and realized that uh, Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law and Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband who had passed away and part of the, part of the culture in that day that God had commanded for the people was that it was the relative's duty to redeem a widow, to redeem a family member. When when the man of the family had died, it was the next closest male relative's obligation to come in and, and provide for these widows. And in the case of Ruth and Naomi, they needed a Israelite man to redeem them. And Boaz was a family redeemer. That's what we saw these, uh, these, these who come in and redeem these widows. That's what they were referred to, family redeemers. And we saw last week that Boaz was a family redeemer, but he was not the closest relative. There was one who was closer, who had the obligation and the duty to redeem Naomi and, and Ruth, but the closest redeemer chose not to do so. And Boaz gladly did. He was pleased to be able to take Ruth as his wife and to be able to provide for Ruth and Naomi. And so we've seen this story unfold in a beautiful way over the last few weeks. And tonight we are going to see what happens after Boaz comes to an agreement with this other relative. The other relative says, look, I don't want to be the redeemer for this family. You can redeem Naomi. You can redeem the family name, the family land. And so Boaz says, I'll do it. And the people in the community acknowledge uh, how good Ruth was, how good Boaz was. We've also seen through this story that Boaz was a godly man. He was a man of noble character. This is quite a beautiful love story. And both of these two main characters that we have focused on, Ruth and Boaz, both appear to be godly men and women. And that is repeated for us throughout the story that they are noble men and women. Ruth, chapter 4, verse 13. Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he was intimate with her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Now, when we talk about there being a family redeemer, the family redeemer was only necessary when a woman, uh, when her husband died, And she had not given birth to a child. If she hadn't had a son, someone to carry on the family name, that's why a family redeemer was needed. Now, in the case of Ruth, obviously she was a young woman probably when she got married to Naomi's son. But they had not had a child. And so for that reason, she needed a family redeemer, and because Naomi's sons had both passed away. Now, in this instance, we see that Boaz marries Ruth. This is what Boaz wanted to do. He was glad to do this. Even though Ruth was a was a foreign woman, it was clear that she was a godly woman, and she was well-respected by all the people in that Israelite community, even though she was a foreign woman from a foreign land. She had She had basically become an Israelite because... She was a follower of God, and it was God who allowed her to conceive. Now, none of these things have happened by chance. The fact that they ended up in in Moab during the famine, the fact that when they came back, Ruth ended up in Boaz's field, all of these things that are part of this story, as bad as some of them were at the beginning of the story, none of these things have happened by chance. God sent the family of Elimelech and Naomi to Moab so that Ruth could be part of this story, so that eventually Ruth could come back, so that eventually Ruth would go into Boaz's field and eventually Boaz would marry Ruth. Now, when you would've went back 10 years when all of this stuff first started, when the famine was in the land and Elimelech died and Naomi's sons died, man, that was hard. No doubt that was hard for Naomi, that was hard for Ruth. It was a difficult time in a lot of ways. Being at part of a famine is hard enough. Moving to a foreign land is hard. And then when you begin to lose your family members, it gets even harder. And so uh, we can relate to in some ways, maybe relate to in a lot of ways, what, what Ruth and Naomi had gone through. Uh, we experienced hard times in our life, and some experienced many great hard times one after the other after the other, just like we see in the story of Ruth and Naomi. But we need to remember, similar to what we have seen in the life of Joseph that we have been studying on Sunday mornings, is that even though these bad things occur, God is present in everything that has taken place. And it is God who is present here as Boaz and Ruth get married. For all those years that Ruth was with her first husband, she had not been able to conceive. But here God allows her womb to be open. She is allowed to conceive at just the right time. And God always does everything at just the right time. Now, you may think about the story of Abraham and Sarah, who as an older lady gave birth to a son. God opened her womb at just the right time so that his purpose and his will and his plan could be accomplished. God still does the same thing for us. It, it may be, in, in our case, sometimes it may be an opening of a womb of, of us or someone we know. Uh, perhaps it's something else. But whatever it is, God is in control. And what he desires to happen will happen when it needs to happen. And he knows when it needs to happen, and we don't. We think we do, but God definitely does. And in this case, the right thing happened at the right time, and it was the birth of a son. Verse 14. Then the women said to Naomi, that is all the women of the community there, praise the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Now, this is an exciting time for Naomi and for Ruth and this excitement is shared by the community. They, they recognize what a blessing it is that God has provided this grandson for Naomi, this son for Ruth, and that, that they have a, a family member. The family name is going to be carried on now because Boaz has become a redeemer and he has married Ruth. And this child that Ruth has given birth to will carry on the family name. And the women in the community are rejoicing along with Naomi. And we need to be certain that Naomi was rejoicing. Any of you ladies in here that are a grandmother uh, know what Naomi was feeling. And I'm certain that Naomi was feeling the same excitement for her grandchild as any grandmother today would. And so Naomi was excited. The women in the community were excited. And they were praising the Lord. They knew that the Lord had taken part in all this. They knew that the Lord was behind this. And God is making this beautiful story even more beautiful with the birth of this son. And even the women in the community here again at the very end of the book, they are still praising Ruth for how good she is. They say to Naomi, look, your daughter-in-law is better to you than seven sons. So obviously Ruth was a good woman because we see that repeated time and again throughout this story. And here at the very end, we are reminded of that. Ruth must have been a a great woman and had taken great care of her mother-in-law. And that's another beautiful part of this story. Verse 16. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and took care of him. The neighbor women said, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of... Of David. Now, some of your uh, your translations may say that Naomi took the child on her bosom and began to nurse him. That language may be a little misleading because our our first thought may may be wet nursing. That may be what comes to mind. But at this point in Naomi's life, she was an older lady. And it's unlikely that that's what that means. It simply probably means that she took care of him. As a grandma, she set him in her lap and she helped look after him and she helped raise him, much in the same way that a grandmother would do for a child today. Uh, Any of you in here that are a grandmother, you have no doubt done that to your grandchildren. You have put them on your lap and you have taken care of them and you have helped feed them and you have helped bathe them and you have helped clothe them and you have helped spoil them and all of those things. And it is likely that Naomi treated her grandchild in the exact same way. She had been waiting for such a grandchild for quite a while now, and now she receives this grandchild. And then something interesting happens. It says in verse 17 that the neighbor women said, a son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. Now, it sounds as though the women of the neighborhood named him obed and it's it's very likely that that's what occurred uh perhaps they are simply uh repeating a name that had already been given to the child maybe the they that is being spoken of there are his parents and it just follows after the neighborhood women Uh, so it's 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 not quite clear there Uh, at first glance it appears as though the neighborhood women may have named the child but it's probably unlikely, it's probably more likely that it was his parents who named the child and the neighborhood women here are repeating that name. And we go through this whole story and here we get to this, this, this beautiful end that helps point us forward toward the future, toward the next big step that we will see in scripture. And ultimately, point us forward to Jesus Christ because uh, the child that Boaz, or excuse me, that uh, Ruth gave birth to was Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And so we see these key characters throughout the story of Scripture. In Genesis, we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are kind of the main characters. And then in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's Moses who is the main character. Uh, And and, and even in Moses' later days, we we are pointed toward Joshua. And then Joshua becomes the main character and leads the people into the promised land and through the time of the judges. And then during this time of the judges, when the book of Ruth takes place, when this story takes place, The end of Ruth is pointing us toward the next uh, phase of Israel's history. It's pointing us forward to the phase of the kings. Now, there are other well-known characters in the next phase of the story, but David is most certainly the the most well-known character. A lot of what we are going to see in the books to come, uh, if if you continue reading past Ruth, uh, you're going to see that David will quickly become the focal point. And everything in this story is pointing us forward to David. And then at the end of the book here, we have a genealogy. Now, we see genealogies throughout the scriptures. And quite frankly, they can be pretty boring uh, if, you're, if you're trying to read through the Bible. You may come across these genealogies and you may say, all right, I'm going to skip it. I don't know half of these names. And that's okay, I guess, sometimes. But I would encourage you to read these through the genealogies occasionally uh, and, and, and try not to skip them because you may make some connections there. Because as you read through the Bible and you see certain names, that may not jump out to you, it's possible that as you read through some of these genealogies, it might click. Now, it may not click at first if you've you've not read the Bible much or only read through it once or twice, but the more you read the Bible, the more some of these names will begin to stick out to you. And when you read through these genealogies, they're important for us in Scripture because it's a record that we have from, from the very beginning all the way to Jesus Christ, and that God made a promise to Abraham through Abraham's bloodline that ultimately a Savior was going to come, that all nations were going to be saved. And every uh, uh, genealogy we see that's kept up with is, is keeping that line of all the way from Abraham all the way to Jesus to show us that God is fulfilling every promise that he has made, and that everything is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. The genealogies that we see ultimately end when Jesus comes onto the scene because nobody else really matters, in a sense, once we get to Jesus because he is the fulfillment of everything we see God tell us about in the Old Testament. And at the end of the book of Ruth here in verse 18, it says, Now, this is the genealogy of Perez." Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram, who fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon, who fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz, who fathered Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse, who fathered David. Now, this is a small, short little genealogy, and if I'm not mistaken, Perez is the son of Judah, who was one of the sons of Jacob, who we have been talking about on Sunday mornings. Judah was one of uh, Joseph's brothers. And and this genealogy goes back that far and and, and goes just up to the time of David. It's a very short genealogy. But if you want to see a more expanded genealogy that points us to Jesus Christ, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And it begins in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, by telling us that the historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it proceeds from verse 2, all the way down through verse 16, it begins to tell us all these people now, what we'll do is we're going to just start with each of these names and we're going to spend five or ten minutes and we're going to break down each of these names in this genealogy tonight so we can get... No, I'm just joking. We're not going to do that. <laughs> but, uh, but you can see starting in verse 2 from Abraham, we see this genealogy really broken down for us we see from abraham to david and then we see uh from david all the way to the babylonian exile and then we see from the babylonian uh, return from exile to the life of jesus now we'll just look at those first few verses verses two through six and and basically this looks very similar to what we have seen already in the book of Ruth, at least this last part of it in these last few verses. But I wanted to point out, uh, starting in verse 5 here, because uh, we saw Salmon mentioned in the book of Ruth, but uh, we also see some others mentioned here too, or at least one other. And in verse 5, it says, Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. Now, I wanted us to look at this passage for a moment because there's a name there that that we have seen earlier when we studied through the book of Joshua way back when. Perhaps you remember the name Rahab, who was a prostitute, that, that as the Israelites went into the land to overtake the land, Rahab said, look, I have heard of your God. She was fearful. She hid the Israelite spies who came into town. And they said, look, because you have hid us, We are going to, we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you get out of the city. We'll we'll make sure you're protected when we come into the city. And so here was this, this this foreigner who was living in the land of Canaan, which would ultimately become the land of Israel. This prostitute who feared the Lord. And this prostitute lady that we read about way back when is listed here in Matthew in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And she was married to a man named Salmon. And Salmon and Rahab fathered a guy by the name of Boaz. Now, here was Boaz, whose mother was a foreign prostitute. And Boaz marries this foreign woman, this Moabite woman, Ruth, and they give birth to Obed. And right here in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, as we look through some of these names, some of which may look familiar to us and others we may say, I've never heard of him or her. But as we begin to look through the genealogy of Jesus, we see all different types of people, all different types of men and women, some good women and some bad women. As we begin to look at some of the stories that surround these people, We see some crazy stories that take place, some crazy events that take place, some things that stretch over years, some good things, some bad things. And every one of those things had to happen at just the right time and just the right place so that the people could be where they needed to be, so that God could use the people that he needed to use to make this genealogy be what it was going to be so that ultimately it would go all the way down to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Now if we were to look at some of these stories and just pluck some of them out and we didn't know the whole story, if we didn't know what the Bible says, if, if we haven't read the whole Bible and we don't know these things, we may look at some of those stories and think, man, that's a crazy story, man, what are the odds that that would happen the way it happened? Well the odds are pretty good. The odds are pretty good. When God is in control, everything is going to work out perfect. And I've got good news for you. God is in control. He is in control of your life and my life. And when we look at these stories of people in the Bible, oftentimes their lives are very difficult. It is one bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing. But these people that we, that we see in Scripture often continue to trust in the Lord in the midst of all the bad things that are going on, they continue to trust in God. And in everything that goes on, as bad as it may seem, as, as difficult as it could be to see that there would anything good come from it, guess what? Oftentimes, good comes from it. And as a result, people meet other people, marry other people, and give birth to other people that play a crucial role in God's plan. And all of these people we see in this genealogy played a crucial role in keeping the family bloodline going all the way until Jesus Christ, the son of God, the savior of the world came to this world, gave his life on the cross and was resurrected so that we could be forgiven. But the story doesn't end there because you and I are part of the story. We're not part of the story of the genealogy of how Jesus is going to be born. But we are part of the story of God's kingdom and how we as God's people will continue to do his work so that people will continue to hear about the kingdom of God and about the Savior whose name is at the end of this genealogy. We are all part of this plan, brothers and sisters in Christ, and there are things that happen in our life, and they are not always good things. And there may be weeks, months, years, decades that go by where we say, man, I cannot catch a break. Everything that possibly bad could happen to me seems like it's happening to me. But never forget that God is in control and he wants what's best for his people and he wants what's best for his kingdom. And he can use even our worst days and our worst experience to bring about good for his kingdom. In the same way that he put all of these people in just the right place at just the right time He has put you in just the right place and just the right time. It is not a mere coincidence that you are in this building tonight. It is not a coincidence that you live where you live, that your life circumstances have brought you to where you are. Everything in your life God has used for his kingdom Everything that you do, God will continue to use for his kingdom. And there are things that God does that we do not always understand. But we need not forget the words of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. And we need to say, God, here I am. Here is where you put me. If our life is good, let us praise God. If our life is bad, let us praise God and say, God, I need help. Look, Naomi knows all about what it's like to have a hard life. She had a hard life for years. She she suffered a famine. She suffered a loss of a husband. She suffered a loss of two children. She knows what what suffering is, and many of us know what suffering is, and some know what great suffering is. But even in great suffering, God can cause cause great joy. And even though there was a season of suffering for Naomi, the story ended beautifully. The story ended beautifully with restoration. And I want to tell you that our story, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, will end in restoration. Our life may not always be good here, but our life will be great for all of eternity. It will be better than anything we could ever imagine because God has sent our Redeemer. In the same way he sent a Redeemer to Naomi and Ruth through Boaz so that they would be provided for, protected, and taken care of, so God has sent that Redeemer in Jesus Christ. Let us not forget the role that each of these characters played. Let us not fail to realize their obedience to God, that they were noble men and women, and that God provided for them in every way they needed, and God has done the same for us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for these good words. We thank you for this beautiful story of Ruth and Boaz and and Jesus, dear Lord. What it points us to. God, it points us to all these stories of, of David. But God, David always points us to the Savior to come. And we just thank you for that, dear Lord. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending us a Redeemer. And I thank you for providing for us and taking care of us. And God, I pray that if there is one in here that has not trusted Jesus Christ, that tonight they would do so. I pray that we would tuck these words of this story of Ruth away in our heart, that we would remember what went on in this story, that we would remember the beauty. God, we need to see beauty because we see hard things in your scriptures. We see hard things in our world, but God, there is much beauty tucked away in there. So let us us think about these words that we have studied the last few weeks and let them bring us encouragement and joy. And let us praise you for being good, dear Lord. You were good to Ruth. And God, you are good to us, and we thank you for that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash liberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.